Today on Foodstuffs. Jeff speaks with a restaurateur who created his own PSA on behalf of the industry. We delve into the impact of diners not honoring their reservations and what costs that means to a business. I think any restaurant in the world it has a vested interest and a keen eye on trying to um, double book or sometimes triple book a table and get multiple turns off of tables. That's how, that's where you really make your money. I'm uh, Darcy McDonnell. I'm the owner-operator of Farmhouse Tavern and you're listening to Foodstuffs. Welcome to Foodstuffs. A podcast about food and culture. And their intersections. I'm Jessica Walker. And I'm Brian Goldman. Is it too late to say Happy New Year? Yes. Okay. <laughs> How was your break? It was great. Rise first Christmas. Cute. Big, big uh, time around the Goldman household. Mm-hmm. And for Christmas, he got his two front teeth. Would All you believe I want that? for Christmas is my two front teeth. Yeah. Pretty exciting. A little painful when you stick your finger in his mouth now, but that's okay. <laughs> or your nose. Yeah. Yeah. He likes to eat <laughs> noses, chins, anything you put anywhere near him, he'll put in his mouth. He started eating solids. Speaking of things he's oh, putting man. in his mouth. Avocado, first food. Okay with. Sweet potato, <laughs> loves. Loves anything sweet. He's sort of like his dad. Banana, sweet potato, Paris, he loves them all. <laughs> the green beans, the peas, not such a huge fan of. You're such a proud dad. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but that's enough about my radio idyllic family, right? <laughs> Which is always just perfect all the time. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about your Christmas. It was really nice. Yeah, it was very low key. Friends, family, and. Obviously, Turkish food. Right, got it. Two times, two times. Only two times in seven days? That (laughs) surprises me a little bit. (laughs) What? That shows some restraint. I think you're maturing. (laughs) No, I just don't have time. There was like family dinners and (laughs) meals at friends' houses, garlic fingers, obviously. You know, you can only be so hungry. Yeah. But twice is good. Twice it's is delicious. good. So that was nice. Nice little break. Yeah, absolutely. And now we're back. Yes. And well, at least for another two weeks. Yeah. We are taking a few weeks after episode 30. We are. So let's get on what we have for our listening audience today. Mm-hmm. What, <laughs> what, are, what are we talking about, Jess? Today we are going to speak with Darcy McDonnell. Darcy is a restaurateur with a restaurant near the junction in the West End of Toronto Um, as an industry vet who's been working in restaurants for close to 20 years now. He's seen the industry change a lot, especially in the last few years. And that is mainly due to technology. um, And that is what we're talking about today anyway. So what does that mean? Um, Like I'm guessing all the ways the internet has changed things. Yeah, exactly. So, well, just thinking about that, there are, today are restaurants that don't have phones anymore. Um, I guess it's probably close. Yeah, exactly. The only reason I know this for sure is because close to a year ago, I lost my very precious glasses and proceeded to freak out um, and kind of did that phone chain of looking down the list of all the places I'd been most recently. Right. And when I'd sort of settled on where it must be, I realized that they didn't have a phone and... It's something I don't really like irrational situations or things that I can't follow the logic on. So I'm sitting there just trying to reach out. They have a sister restaurant. Oh, wait. They, so, so you missed that part. So you figured out they were at a restaurant. That's right. Sorry. Um, and then, yeah, when I tried to reach out and contact them, there's actually no direct way that to... That seems crazy. So <laughs> how do people make reservations and like call, and well, contact that's, the restaurant? Well, I guess that's what's relevant today. So in the last year, few years in particular, this restaurant would have opened less than two years ago. In that time, it's apps now that have sort of taken over as the common way for people to right, book yeah. a table. So uh, open table, bookenda, diner, those are coming to mind, um, are pretty ubiquitous at this point in time. 
Um, whereas in the past, you would phone a restaurant and speak to a human being. These days, you just fill out this little form and submit it, and there's no human directly involved in the process. So Darcy and I have some thoughts as to why this might be affecting people's behavior. Regardless, it's absolutely impacting restaurants and their ability to kind of plan their service, um, which ultimately winds up impacting diners, whether they realize it or not. Okay, so here's Jess then speaking with Darcy McDonnell, owner of Farmhouse Tavern and creator of the Respect the Restaurant hashtag. I've been in the restaurant business for 19 years now, and here at Farmhouse Tavern, running my own shop for four and a half, five years. Okay, and how serious of a difference is that? Uh, It shifts the way you sort of go about your day-to-day a little bit. You know, here I try and uh, remind myself to work on the business as well as just in the business. Um, And I view myself more as an entrepreneur than a manager that I used to be kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, How has the incidence of no-shows kind of increased in the time that you've been in in the industry? I think it's dramatically worse in the last sort of... I I noticed it a bit about a year and a half ago, and then I really started noticing it sort of uh, around the summertime and into uh, early fall. And I just I see it more often in other restaurants, and I hear about it more often from from my staff and my colleagues and my peers and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, just to be clear, for those who don't know, can you just explain what a no-show is? So a no-show would be someone who has made a reservation, whether it be on a uh, an app platform such as Open Table or uh, Bookender or whatever it is that people might use, or that have called, or in my case, you can text the reservation to the restaurant, uh, but that have taken the time to make a reservation and then. At the at that time when they're when we're expecting them, they uh, don't show up and don't call or let us know about it. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of flesh it out, what does a reservation mean to you, and what are the decisions that you make or that are impacted by someone making a reservation? So the reservation gives us a sense of we're fortunate that we're a pretty consistent restaurant, um, but it does give us a bit of a, of a game plan or a vision for how the night might unfold. So we can say, okay, we're going to get a really you know, quick early hit, or uh, we're lucky tonight, you know, the first seating's kind of staggered, but we really have a, a, a huge sort of 8.30 push. Um, so we can kind of get our, our heads around what to expect for the pace of the night. That's a big thing internally for the psyche of the team. Um, but the reservation also allows us to, we use that information to, to plan the table uh, allotment and the table allocations to best suit the guests coming and try and give everyone the best available table and the most comfortable location um, that would suit the size of their group and the time they're arriving at and so on and so forth. So we use it to, to help plan for uh, service and to provide hospitality to the guests. Mm-hmm. So that's just front of house, but then there's also probably impacts that happen in the kitchen and the back of house too, right? Yeah, same thing. And so we'll either, you know, whether it's on certain nights, cleaning oysters or pulling out. We do a lot of big ticket items, like a whole Cote de Boeuf, or we do a, a whole duck called the Big Bird, or sometimes we do whole fish or pig heads. Um, so we'll look at our book and we'll say, okay, we have, you know, uh, there's five tables of six or more tonight. So the odds are good. Instead of prepping, you know, three big ticket items, let's, let's go in with five big ticket items for the night. Um, so that's one impact on the restaurant. Um, and then again, just sort of the pace at which they work. Like sometimes they could potentially refocus their priority tasks depending on what they're expecting to have happen at 11 a.m. when the door opens for brunch or at, um, you know, 6 o'clock when dinner starts on a Saturday night kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for example, when we um, are seating the restaurant, we're, technically the doors are open, but if we're not expecting reservations, the kitchen is not just twiddling their hum- thumbs waiting for people to come in. There's other tasks that they can be doing, and kind of reiterating that information to them is really paramount for them to be productive, essentially. Um, but if you're expecting a, a group of people and then they're not coming, uh, yeah, it is a psyche thing. And then it's also financial. So, what do you think, what do you attribute this effect to, if you were to guess? I think a couple of things. I mean, it has nothing to do with. The idea of canceling, right? I, I said, I, I've canceled reservations in the past and I'll cancel them in the future. Um, and people can cancel for a hundred different reasons and that's totally fine. The argument that, or the point that I want to make and bring awareness to is that the minute that's going to happen, just let us know as fast as you possibly can, right? People say, well, 
well, what's the ideal time? I'm like, the minute you know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not about 24 hours or two days or six hours. It's the very minute you know your plans have changed, please call the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Any restaurant, all the restaurants, all the time. Yeah, there was an example that you had just given me about a situation for you the other night where, you know, you're expecting four deuces to walk in the door. You have one open table or two open tables at the moment, and then you have a walk-in. Can, anyway, why don't you tell the story? Yeah, so just recently on Thursday night, we had kind of a, a big snow dump in the afternoon, and um, weather was looking kind of bad, and it cleared up around 6.30, and it turned out to be a, a quite a nice night. We had four tables of two booked around the 8.15, 8.30 mark, um, who had, in some cases, had confirmed a reservation or had booked earlier that evening. Um, we had two tables of two walk in. We were able to, with the first group that came in, we were able to seat them at the bar. The other table, we explained that, you know, we have four resos of two still coming in with, at the moment, only one table sitting open ready for them. The other three tables of two are going to have to wait five, ten minutes uh, to actually get sat if, if everyone's on time. So I just don't, you know, we can't get you in in the next probably 30 to 45 minutes. Um, so the table was disappointed. They walked here on a snowy night. And, uh, and we were fortunate that night that we were full and the bar was full. And there was really nowhere for them to go and even just have a drink and kind of wait it out. So they turned away disappointed and left. And then in the next, you know, 20 minutes, uh, four of those tables of two all no-showed. Um, I reached out to all of them. And two of them got back to me and said, yeah, but the weather's really bad. And I was like, of course, safety first. But just call us, mm-hmm. right? Um, and... You know, every restaurant's different in, in the math and the economies of the restaurant. But in our case, four tables of two is probably about 600 bucks in sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big difference, right? That's someone's, that's a server's wages for the whole week. Or mm-hmm. it's a portion of your water bill or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, can we just talk a little bit about kind of the former system around reservations and kind of the amount of labor that would have gone into that and kind of what made something like Open Table attractive as, as another alternative? Um, yeah, let's start with the history of it. Yeah, I think in the, I mean, I've worked for, for years in places where you had this big reservation book at the front desk that was sort of, you know, the holy grail or the Bible of the restaurant. <laughs> and it was pencils and erasers and scratch and add, and you know, sometimes you draw a diagram of your floor, or, um, but it was always manually. I did that first. When Farmhouse first opened, I used to carry around a little day book with my floor plans drawn out and I would just pencil in the reservations. I did it all myself and I would, you know, friends would make fun of me. I'd go up, I'd go to a restaurant somewhere and I'd have my little reso book with me and I'd be, you know, having uh, a bite to eat and taking a reservation via text for the next morning and I'd be opening my book and I'd pencil in my book and whatnot. <laughs> um, and then has, you know, we, I was blessed with two beautiful young children and, uh, you know, when, especially when the second one came along, uh, I needed to free myself away from my phone a bit more and to have a bit more free time. So uh, in year two, I think it was a farmhouse tavern, I introduced Open Table. Um, you can still call for resos. You can still text for resos. We get resos via Twitter, direct messaging, Facebook messages from all, all angles. We, take them, we try and take them all, Yelp. Um, but I think the biggest change is in the, in the last couple of years that it's Open Table is the dominant platform in the city. And I don't want to pick on them, uh, but that's who we use and who I think a lot of people use. Um, and with it being, you know, now it's an app on your phone and it's a click of a button and you can just hit a button and cancel and there's no personal connection, there's no contact need to be made, there's no guilt in having to call or the effort to call or whatnot, right? So that's changed things a little bit. I think there's a big trend that I've, again, I've probably, I've been seeing and hearing about this for the last year, it seems like, where groups, you know, whether it's, the minute it's four people or more, there is this... I think big trend right now or, or the current status is that people are booking multiple restaurants and at the, la- the day of the 11th hour, they're choosing which one to go to, right? So they might book a seafood restaurant and a steakhouse or they might book something on the east end and something on the west end and then the day of, this, the three couples get together or whatever it is, the eight friends get together and say, okay, which one are we in the mood for? And then they bail on the other two or the other three they've booked. And that's something that's, um, I think, really big right now. It's new. I was out for dinner with a friend on uh, Valentine's Day, and she ran into someone she knew. And it was basically a Thai, it was a Thai restaurant, and they were saying, 
we made three reserv. It was her and her husband. We made three reservations, and you, and then we went to yoga, and you know, we just decided we're just gonna do takeout tonight. And I, I was just sort of like slack jawed and like <laughs> kind of like had to, you know, yeah. close my mouth. Um, but I was like, you are real. Like you are something that we talk about, but no one actually thinks is real, but you are real. How do you, what is the thought process there? And I think it is what you're saying. It's like being divorced from a human being, thinking about what their day is like and what the impact, yeah, the impact of a reservation, no reservation has on a business is completely not in their mind at all. And um, I remember even when we had Open Table initially, we were still doing the follow-up call the next day. But I think there's something, as people get more based in these apps and stuff like that, and we've sort of moved away from that because then it almost keeps you needing someone to do as much work as the previous more manual version of things. No, for sure. I mean, I what I do on an Open Table reservation, uh, they are getting an automatic reminder via email 24 hours before the reservation. So I usually wait the 24 hours and then uh, I will send them a text message because I try and be a bit less intrusive if I can. Um, so I'll text them and try and confirm. And if I don't get a text response back, then I'll call them to, to try and confirm. Um, so there's cases where we do you know, one text and then nothing. So we call and then nothing. So we call back. And sometimes you get them on the third try, or sometimes you don't get them at all, right? And in that case, do you keep that reservation for them? I do. I keep it. I don't. Uh, I've never canceled because no one's confirmed it. Mm. Um, but it's tempting, but I haven't done it yet. <laughs> As if things keep going deeper in the gutter, who knows what we'll be forced <laughs> to do. Um, so just kind of in this vein, I think that if we're not careful, it could come off as we're complaining about the situation. But traditionally, it hasn't been in the restaurant's interest to kind of speak out and stand up for themselves. Um, why, yeah, why, why is that the case? And why is that the status quo? And is this an attempt to kind of address that? A little bit. I mean, I think one thing I've, <clears throat> excuse me, I've always said is that restaurants don't, uh, we don't, respect ourselves enough in this industry whether that's you know young cooks or old cooks or chefs or sommeliers whatever I think that there's um, you know we hold ourselves to a high standard I think internally and amongst ourselves but sometimes there's a hesitation to hold yourself to a high standard to the general public and what can be um, you know what's fair in the way that you're treated or regarded or respected Um, and that there's a whole bunch of you know issues that affect the restaurant that, that can touch on that, whether it's, uh, you know, there was a recent um, piece of news where a restaurant in Toronto uh, had a, a pretty sort of negative review and they addressed it, which uh, is great. And one of the key points in, in that review and in that sort of back and forth a little bit was this idea that a guest shows up to a restaurant before the restaurant is open and expects to just come in and make themselves at home. And it's a fine line of providing hospitality, but, you know, so more often than not, we kind of let them in and then your, your last minute prep work goes to the side or it gets relegated or it gets shortchanged a little bit because all of a sudden there's people in your restaurant. Um, but there's just no, you know, I can't think of another business in society that randomly opens 40 minutes early or 27 minutes early because mm-hmm. someone's at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's cold and you know, or didn't just, know how long it would take to yeah, get there. Sooner, right? <laughs> the, the most innocent thing of all is we didn't think we'd get here this fast. Okay, great. Um, there's a great park down the street. Please take a stroll and come back. We'll open the doors as early as we can. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it can't be 37 minutes before showtime. We need that time to, to finish all our stuff, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you want to put your best foot forward and you want to be welcoming, but we do have to... Um, sometimes maybe stand our ground or or, uh, hold firm to certain ideas and beliefs that we have in place to provide better hospitality, right? And the same, this whole no-show thing and last-minute cancellations is really a two-way street. Like it's, half of it is in the guest's best interest to allow us to help us provide better service and better hospitality. Mm -hmm. And just give examples of what, how that works for, for someone who isn't in the industry who can't conceive of that. I think one of the big things is just the the table allocation and the way that we assign and prepare tables. So if a table of five is 
booked. Um, and it's, this one happens all the time, right? Like this can happen three times in a Saturday where you have a reservation for five, for example, and they show up and go, oh yeah, but there's just three of us now. Okay, give us two minutes. We're going to go and we're going to readjust that area or we're going to find an alternate table. Um, so we're sort of scrambling last minute because we want to provide the best possible table or area of the restaurant for that, that those guests. Um, and then in the meantime, what that what happens then is that maybe someone was trying to, to book online for a party of five and couldn't. And, we've, and then they got to either maybe stay home that night or go somewhere else, which is great. Um, but it also affects people you never hear about, right? That idea of um, today we had a party that was meant to be uh, seven and became a party of five. That's a table of two that I didn't have to, to my, in my roster of tables for an hour and 10 minutes. Well, that's, that's a, a whole meal at brunch, right? Mm-hmm. So I lost that table. Because you're explaining this to me, it's not only were there a table of seven that went down to five, they were waiting around for another group of people to arrive, yeah. and then only an hour into the reservation did they let you know, oh no, we're just gonna be five. Um, there's a lot, I think it's very easily said that the restaurant industry has razor thin margins. Um, can we just talk about what those are and just explain how a table of two, like a table of seven going down to five, and then having a vacancy of two people, that money is important. Can you just explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, it makes a big difference. I mean, for us, if we if that happens to us in the course of a, of a four-hour brunch shift, for example, right, and we lose out on, let's say, three tables of two because of those types of situations, that's $300. If it happens to us um, on a Sunday night or a Thursday night, or it doesn't matter, any night that we're open, uh, if we lose out on a table of two in that scenario where a group of seven becomes a party of four last minute and by the time they kind of realize... Or in some, sometimes they don't realize, right? It's, it's very innocent. Like they get word after the fact that their friend has just changed. They just can't make it for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And then they wave us down and say, oh, we just, you know, I'm so sorry, but our friends aren't going to come. Okay, great. Let's pull this over and reset that table and so on and so forth. If we lose that at nighttime, that's $150, $200 mm-hmm. in revenue. And all those amounts, you know, $100 here, $200 there. There's a thousand ways you can look at that. That can be a repair bill for a toilet. It can be uh, a server's wages. It can be um, a whole case of wine. It can be all kinds of things that the restaurant needs to buy to provide our our food, wine, and and service and stuff, right? So Mm -hmm. it adds up pretty fast. Absolutely. And you talking about someone mid, like, seating, finding out that their friend isn't showing up is probably what's at the heart of this. We're in a point in time where you've made a plan with your friend and they're waiting for you at a restaurant and you're only telling them an hour into them sitting down that you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. That is a different kind of society than, you know, t- even sure, 10 years ago. Today we had a table uh, where there it was a party of six and two guests, um, they couldn't get a hold of them. So they came in, there's four of them on time. Couldn't get a hold of, couldn't get a hold of, finally got a hold of, we're told that their friends are going to be an hour late. So that pushed back our dining time by one hour, right? And I think any restaurant in the world it has uh, a vested interest and, and a keen eye on trying to um, double book or sometimes triple book a table and get multiple turns off of tables. That's how, that's where you really make your money. Um, and so then we have to go back and juggle. And it's part of the job. I'm not complaining about that. I'm just talking about how kind of how it unfolds and what mm-hmm. you know what it does, right? So we then go back and say, okay, well, that reservation that's booked for 1230, there's no way we can put them there. They're not going to be ready on time. So then we got to juggle this, juggle that, you know, move this over and make alternate plans that sometimes have, you know, three, four, five sort of domino effects mm-hmm. to then accommodate the reservations coming behind that party that is now an hour late. Absolutely. So that happens all the time, which again, it's part of the job, but it does create a little bit of extra work on our end. Absolutely. Because in an ideal world, as someone who's working to serve the public, you want them to not have a single inkling that anything is possibly going wrong. You want to sing and dance and turn it around and for no one to be the wiser. Um, but it's a it's this continually amounting um trend this or this style of of dealing with it these days no showing is it's it's untenable like there's no way for you to keep going 
and turn a profit and be giving a good dining experience and be happy to be a server. I don't know. For sure. I mean, there's times when it's like for us, you know, and this whole thing's not about my restaurant, but there are restaurants that have heavy, heavy foot traffic where those things can be recovered sort of instantaneously. And there are restaurants that have essentially zero foot traffic. Like I'm lucky to see five people outside a day walking their dog and there's no one else <laughs> walking around. Um, so there are times when, you know, yeah, people, people definitely just show up and walk on over to the restaurant. Of course that happens and we get walk-in guests. You know, at the end of our week, about 50% of our, of our guests we've served have come to us via reservations and half have come through that sort of that walk-in idea of just showing up and getting mm-hmm. a table. But again, that's different for every single restaurant and it's a challenge that we all face across the industry and across the city. So what do you think that people who have never worked in the industry, have never worked a serving job, are missing? What's the piece that is missing for them to, to be, I'm gonna say inconsiderate in this way? Um, and yeah, what, what are we speaking to? I think probably that it's on our side of it, it's a business, right? I always say it's the restaurant business. Um, and to the consumer, it's oftentimes um, a luxury, it's entertainment, it's uh, sometimes for people, it's a hobby to go out. Um, but on our end of it, it's a business. And there are numbers that need to be sort of hit or, or bills to be paid, that kind of stuff, right? Um, and I think because of the way that the consumer views it, there's not that sort of sense of urgency to just call the restaurant. And the whole point of this no-show respect the restaurant campaign is just call the restaurant. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else to it. One point only is just call the restaurant. (laughs) And the the result of that, the effects of that is, if we do that, again, as I said earlier, the guests win and the restaurants win. Mm -hmm. And everything is better for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, just on the campaign side, what will what will be a knowable impact and a knowable win for you um, through this? I think there's two things. One, the first one is there's sort of been three three camps so far that I've noticed with when the sort of the, the media got a hold of this. I guess there's been the you know the haters and the trolls, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully, a low percentage. Very low, actually, but it's kind of uh, it's been two comments. One is. And again, people look at it about being about this restaurant, which it's not, right? Oh, that's ridiculous. They take brunch reservations. No, it's not actually. It might make not make sense for some restaurants, but it makes sense for us. Yeah, and maybe just for a point of clarification, where are we in the city right now, and how does that tie in? You sort of alluded to it, but let's just put it yeah. in, in words. We are north of Ronsonsvale. We are east of the junction, and we're at the very end of Dupont. So. Um, we're three blocks east of the, the sort of the junction proper where there's lots of restaurants and bars. We're about five blocks maybe north of the top of Ronsonsville. Ronsonsville, excuse me. Uh, but in my immediate area, there really is no sort of, um, there's no retail shopping. Um, there's no real offices. Recently, there's been a little bit of an influx of people that work here during the daytime around here. That's a new thing. Um, and there's a couple little sort of, you know, Monday to Friday daytime coffee shops and stuff that, that cater to those, to those people. Um, but we're not in a restaurant row where you can, you know, go and have an appetizer here and a drink there and come back there later and then kind of hop around. Right. Um, we don't and have it's a bit foot traffic or, or Ronsonville foot traffic in our case. Right. And so essentially it's a bit of a destination. So reservations are really yeah, important. Yeah, that's, that's a flattering thing, right? For me, like to think that people actually drive here is crazy. Like, um, <laughs> I remember the first time, you know, the day we opened the door to the restaurant and I could see there's people waiting across the street at the crosswalk and I'm like, are they waiting to come to my restaurant? And then the light changed and then they cross and I'm like, oh my God, they're going to come to the restaurant. And then they walked up to something, oh my God, someone came into my restaurant. Because you build this thing and you think, <laughs> you know, you think it's a good idea and you hope that other people think it's a good idea too or, or it appeals to them. So, you know, I, I never take for granted that people drive here or, or make a point of, um, making plans with friends from the east end and the west end and they meet at farmhouse right mm-hmm. um i always get really upset when the gardeners close because it affects our business but on the flip side of that i'm super thrilled when i realize that people use the gardener to get the farmhouse because we're a destination that's pretty cool yeah. i think it's pretty cool um so yeah it's we, we definitely rely on both for sure absolutely so i'm sorry to have uh, taken you off the path, but yeah, back to what do people not understand? 
Part of it, I think there are so many restaurants. There's so many to choose from. There's so much competition. So on one end, from the guest side of it, they have you know, more restaurants than they could ever go to, right? On the restaurant side of it, there's sometimes some hesitation uh, from people to either maybe speak up or take action a little bit because of that competition. Well, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to come across as being this way or, or complaining about this or whining about that. Uh, for fear of having guests not come to your business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a point in time where it's, you know, enough's enough and things have to get better, right? Things have to get better in, in all kinds of facets of this industry for it to be regarded uh, as a more professional uh, industry in our society. Um, and this is just one of them, really. Mm-hmm. Do you almost see it as like an education PSA campaign? A little bit. I mean, again, I was saying earlier, sorry, there's there's the, the three groups of people. One are the haters um, that sort of look at it very narrow-mindedly and, and make simple suggestions that just don't are not, you know, in keeping with reality. Then there's the people on the other side of it, the 180 degrees that are going, oh, my God, that's people really do that? You mean people no-show? I mean, people don't call you? Are you, what? Mm-hmm. I would never do that. I'm like, cool, amazing, thank you. You're the best. <laughs> and then there's people in the middle that go, well, you know what? I, I never realized what impact it had. I never realized how much that can make things difficult or how frustrating that must be. And that's that's the group that we want, right? Like that's the one that where the light goes off and they make that extra effort. And that's happened, you know, I've seen it here the last two weeks, like people calling and saying, don't worry, don't worry, we're, we're, we're just running late. We're gonna be there, we, we're gonna honor our reservation. Okay, great, chuckle, chuckle, that's fine, you know. Um, I've had people call that made an open table reservation that called after the fact. There's no need to. They already have a reservation, but call to say, hey, just so you know, I made a reservation for tomorrow, and I'm going to be there, and I'm full support of what you're doing. I'm like, great. Thank you so much, right? <laughs> so there's a bit of uh, preaching to the choir. They're converted, but it's when the light goes off for that middle group that's, that's rewarding, I think, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think part of that question was also how will you know that this has been successful? I would love... Um, and this is a bit selfish, I guess, because it's the system that I use. But I would love for Open Table to make changes where, uh, to even the playing field, where everybody needed to put a credit card in mm-hmm. for all reservations, and then left it up to the restaurants to uh, create their own policies, whether it's 24 hours, six hours, $25, $30. Um, but you know, Airbnb, Uber, you can't play without a credit card. Mm-hmm. The new app in town now is Diner. You can't play without a credit card. The big app in, for reservations in the U.S. is called Resi. Mm. You can't play without a credit card. And Open Table, because they've been out for so long and they're so big, um, people have never had to put their credit card in automatically. Mm-hmm. Right? Certain restaurants will require it. We are now requesting a credit card for six or more. And there's, I mean, no one's called to say I'm not booking because of that. People maybe have looked to book and haven't because I'm not made aware of it. But we have... Um, you know, many tables of, of six or more in the last two weeks that, that I've booked with a credit card and, and no one's sort of made a deal of it to, to my attention. Mm-hmm. But again, it goes back to the idea of there's so much competition. I think restaurateurs and, and owners um, or chef operators are a little bit sometimes maybe hesitant or afraid to say, well, I don't want to be the first one or one of the only ones to insist on credit cards because the competition of the guy next door doesn't do it, Right. And that's a, it's an uneasy feeling for, for business owners to, to have to deal with. Um, and again, so that's one sort of anxiety of it. But again, open table, and I hate to pick on them, it's just it's the one that I use. I would really love to see them make it across the board and sort of current with the times, mm-hmm. like other mobile app platforms that let you book and buy stuff in advance, whether it's a hotel room or a train ticket or what that may, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. What else do people need to know about the restaurant business and kind of, yeah, taking ownership of their plans and and including us in them? I think just the realization that it's it's industry wide. Um, I knew that it was city wide because I, I see it and I hear about it from again from friends and colleagues and peers. The one thing that unfortunately did not surprise me when I put this up on Instagram and on Twitter was. Uh, seeing restaurants in other cities across the country retweet it or comment on it, whether it was you know Ottawa, Montreal, Newfoundland, Canmore, Alberta, Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, Saskatoon, London, Ontario, and it's you know okay, 
10% of me is happy that they're retweeting or commenting on it because it was maybe something that was missing or that they were happy to see. So, okay, that's good. But man, it's kind of, it's, it's a bit disheartening that they have to, right? So it just shows that what I was seeing in Toronto is happening across the country, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, CBC did a piece where they interviewed a restaurant in, in Ottawa about it. Um, we had a restaurant association in Edmonton um, comment about it. I've recently, in the last week, done two interviews with um, Canadian Restaurant News and Food Service Hospitality News, which are national uh, publications for our industry. So um, it's good because there's awareness, but it's it's kind of sad because it's just showing that it's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. You struck a nerve um, within the industry. Yeah, I think so, and um, I guess unfortunately, good or bad, I guess. Exactly, but maybe this will give us our I don't know a sense of banding together, a sense of kind of coming up with something a little bit more progressive, and yeah, maybe Open Table will come on board as well. Um, anything else you want to say about any of the above? I don't think so. I just appreciate your time to chat about it, and, and the more people that talk and write about it, the more the message gets out, and the more it can be, you know, I'm a big believer that people sort of oftentimes have a, a vague awareness of something, and then they see it or hear it a second time, and they kind of go, oh yeah, that's there's something there. And sometimes the third or fourth time they go, okay, I got to stop, pay attention to this and understand it. And then I'll behave differently about mm-hmm. it. So uh, the more it gets out um, from different voices and different channels, I think the better it is. And that was Jess speaking with Darcy McDonnell, owner of Farmhouse Tavern and the man behind the Stop No Shows campaign and the Respect, respect. the Restaurant hashtag. hashtag. That's right. Yeah. I got it right. I got to get these. Yeah, exactly. Stay consistent with the messaging. That's right. This is... You know, digital world behavior, I think. (laughs) You know, nobody, I really feel like this is going to sound like an old non-millennial speaking, but I do feel like we're just like a generation of like soft, wussy people who don't want to (laughs) give (laughs) or receive any bad news whatsoever. Yeah. And even something as simple as just saying, hey, can't make it. Mm-hmm. Or hitting a button that essentially says just it for overthinking us. it and it's getting just, stressed out. Yeah. Like, because it can't possibly be laziness, can it? Because it's really easy. Like, it, it could not be easier. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's really being divorced from the process. Like, I used to have to make a phone call. I would hear someone really sweet on the other end of the line, really working hard, whether or not I got exactly what I asked for or not. They would do their best to accommodate me, and so I'm thinking well, I can't let so-and-so down. I need to let them know that I'm not able to make it after all of their efforts to, to accommodate us. Um, yeah, I don't, I, that's my best guess is that you, just you take, take a person out of the yeah. equation and it feels like a robot system and the system isn't going to be upset at you. But, but, but we can't but, go back now. <laughs> this is the world. This is the world that we've created, that we live in. And for a, there's a lot of good reasons around it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the, I think the idea was is intentional to make it straightforward and simple. And there are all these safeguards involved in the program. The issue is if someone, for example, chooses not to show up, my option as someone working that night is to, well, first of all, call them and make sure that that was as it was supposed to be, they had the reservation and they didn't want to come tonight. Not that they accidentally made it for another night or whatever it could be. Um, But my option then, if I don't know what happened, is to press this no-show button um, in OpenTable, which as the person who made the reservation, they receive an email that says, so and so, like you this restaurant. So as the restaurant, yeah. you're now reporting to them and saying. So I've like chastised them yes. and like wrapped them on the knuckles, and it's yes, like from afar in a digital yeah. world. And but that's sort have, of what we're talking about is like right. I have now been chastised by this restaurant. I'm less inclined to ever want to go back. So that doesn't really feel like a safe safeguard, if that makes any sense. And that's kind of what we were talking about in the interview. Right. Is just like historically, there's not much incentive for a restaurant to go out and like, you know, what some people might say, complain about behavior or whatever, a trend that they're seeing, because it's a negative association. It comes off as petty. It comes off as whatever. But like every single person adds up, you know, like that's why 
Yeah. We're trying to effectively seat people in such a way that we're able to have that table used multiple times in the course of a night. That's why it really does suck for you to show up an hour late or, you know, part partially seat a table and them not do anything for X amount of And like Darcy says, time. there's some part of that that's like, that's a job. Yeah, right? absolutely. And this, these things happen and Within whether it's a good excuse or bad excuse, <laughs> you got to yeah. roll with it. And absolutely. that's something that is not new to restaurants, but what he's seen and I think what you've seen and everyone in the industry has seen and not just here in Toronto, but in different parts of the country, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't imagine it would be that different in the States, um, is that this is a growing trend. Yeah, absolutely. That it, people are making more reservations Mm-hmm. and flanking basically and not, yeah, not picking up the phone or not hitting that butt saying we can't go because yeah. i mean this happens and i've had uh, lots of scenarios where you know we've even called and made multiple reservations i'll give you an example this might horrify you Uh-oh. but don't worry we did it, it ends well okay. we did call and cancel <laughs> okay but you have people coming in from out of town yes you don't know what they they want to eat. You just know that hey, I got six people. I got eight people. Yeah, we got to get them food. Uh, do they feel like barbecue? Do they feel like Chinese? Do they feel like Italian? Right. I'm gonna book three different reservations at the same time okay. in roughly the same area. And when they land, we're gonna say, yeah, "What do you feel like man. eating tonight? How about this, this, or this?" Okay, it's this. Now protocol states, I just got to call those two other places and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, we're not showing up," and it does put them into a bit of a scramble, especially when you have like uh, a group. But again, at least we're giving them a fighting chance. Yeah. Well, it just frees it up. Um, I think that there's, that's a thing. It's a case by case basis as to what kind of decisions are made around the book. Right. Like what amount of reservations you've got coming in and when Um, it could be, yeah. How do you allocate your resources as far as manpower, like in the kitchen? Um, It could also be start times for people in the front of house Um, because yeah, there's labor is what kills restaurants and not to mention, yeah, food waste, all these things. Like if you're expecting X amount of people in a night and you prepare enough food to potentially serve X amount of people in a night, you know, that is risky when <laughs> are all those people showing well, up Well, it's always not. risky too, right? Because exactly. even if you're doing well, and if you have a good location, you got a good chef, you got good staff, you know, it's always, it's <laughs> the restaurant industry, it's always going to be a really difficult world to survive in. Exactly. And I like, I get the customer idea that either one i don't care that was your decision to make a (laughs) open a restaurant it's up to you yeah and i think people have a little of that like air about them like this is the one time where it's like i no matter how much money i actually have tonight we are kings tonight people will wait upon us they will get us drinks (laughs) they will take our coats they will bring us food exactly to order and we'll pay for it Mm -hmm. begrudgingly in a lot of cases but we'll pay for it absolutely for that we expect everything. everything yeah exactly well this goes back this is where the name server comes from. So there's, you know, the type of people who work in the industry who would rather be called waiters and waitresses. You know, maybe they're diner workers. I thought that or was whatever. out now. I thought well, that was for like... sure. But now server is like a little Isn't more that standard. Worse? What? Isn't that server? Yes. What? What are you? What would Isn't you call the them? implication more to the like server is like very close to servant? Exactly. Isn't it? Waiter or waitress is like old school. Right. You know, gendered. Blah blah blah. Why do we need to? Versus server as like a single name for the the profession but yeah as you said it goes back to yeah ties with serve <laughs> servants um which that is a divide within the customer as well where there's the people that treat you like you have a wealth of knowledge and they can learn from you and you're there to be an ambassador for the restaurant and that's kind of how i see my role mm-hmm. um but then there's the people that are like snap snap where are oh, you yeah. and the ev- like with every transgression it's a percent off your tip kind of an idea and it's you know within reason that's the whole thing is like i 
am the most successful when I'm invisible to you, unless you want me to be a part of your meal. But like, I don't want to bother you. I want to be invisible and let you just do your thing and then show up when you need me. Um, but, but yeah, it's just a, a matter of, are you respecting me as an individual or are you, yeah, do you think that you're a master and I'm like your yes, servant? You're, you're a, yeah. um, Temporarily, and, this is our relationship. Absolutely. Right. I will, sorry, exactly. I'm, I'm paying for this. And part of what I'm paying for is to be waited on hand and foot. And there's an element of that that is completely true exactly right? and that's fine you know but, but yeah, yeah again within reason we are still all people yeah but going to darcy's point he sort of put people in three groups yes. three buckets right and yeah, there's a group there. that i think he called the haters that's like <laughs> they don't get it they don't want to get it again your problem your problem your problem whatever i'm gonna act how i want to act mm -hmm. and screw you if you think i'm doing something wrong yeah exactly like, i don't want to feel bad you're not and a person it, well we probably won't change their mind they probably aren't listening yeah right then there's the group that are like oblivious and a in a i guess sort of nice way that's like i can't or believe like, that anyone would ever do that yeah you know you mean so those are the they, like preaching to the choir kind of right exactly yeah. but then there's that other group that hopefully part of that group might be listening right now and go yeah, I guess I have done that. I guess it would be yeah. really easy, and I didn't really think and I, about and, the and impact. And that's the reason that I wanted to have the conversation as well is because someone has kind of stepped out and put their name on something that's risky as far as I see it, um, but with the good intention of hopefully you just want to – like you didn't know and now you know and you'll be mindful going forward. Right. I, off the top, we called it a PSA. I sincerely yeah. – <laughs> your reaction was like – isn't that for don't do yes. drugs and stuff like that? And I'm like, yeah, but also this is an industry of all types of people and there are like various skill sets that go along right. with it. Um, there's so many restaurants in the world for a reason. Just if you care about your restaurant, like your favorite local or whatever, if you care about being a supporter of small business, just do the simple thing mm -hmm. and now you know and hopefully going forward it'll Im inform the way that you yeah that you but dine i don't know that if you know about, about this about me jess or not but i am not a great believer in people in general <laughs> Brian, i believe in some like awful. so there are some people that are trying hard but in general i think that people are just sort of the way they are or and left to their own devices. Yes. They're not going to do. And again, like the again, nice when thing. we, like okay. you say, take the human element out, it just makes it a lot easier to sort of <laughs> be an asshole, right? Whether that means cyberbullying or not canceling your reservation. And I or, like Darcy talking about part of what this campaign is about is going to those apps, right? Right. Going to whoever is is maintaining those apps and saying, "Help us out a little," like. As an industry, we need your help here. One thing that seems really simple that they could do is ask people to give a credit card or force people to give a credit sure. card to have an uh, to have an account. It's well, the yeah. case with lots of it. I, I understand that people in general don't want to do that, but mm -hmm. there's but there's still the old happens school. all the yeah. time. Except for that restaurant that I was referring to earlier. Most places still have a phone. You can call them. Because whenever credit cards come into the, sure. to yeah. the mix, I get a little worried about... Um, Accessibility because not everyone a wants to have a credit card b has a credit card, you know. Like, but if you're going to a restaurant that requires a reservation, I mean, again, you always have the the option. Of, yeah, exactly. Of so calling. that's what I'm saying. It's right? like, so yeah, I, I'm I, I don't know how big a percentage of population but that would affect. Absolutely, but it, no. But what you're saying is, is true. It's, it's just it just it. But that's the thing. It's again taking it from this old school servant mentality of we're here to wait on you hand and foot at any cost to ourselves, um, and putting it into this yeah. inherent respect and just changing the culture around it and Uber. the expectation Uber around it. Uber is like yeah. these are regular people. Driving around, making a little bit of extra money, want to meet some people, maybe. Mm -hmm. It's it's simple. It works. If you set up an Uber account, 
obviously you have to put in your credit card. Mm -hmm. If you no show, you get dinged. Yeah. And people expect that. Yeah. Airbnb, like if you show up and you're like a sloppy, inconsiderate person, Mm -hmm. you're going to get dinged. Yeah. Right? You're going to get dinged either with a cleaning fee or you're going to get dinged with like a, a... something on your profile that says hey yes. this person left my place a mess like what the hell don't let them yeah your place. Be, be warned yeah exactly. and i think that that is how you know technology has reacted and, and put that human helmet back in right to not let things go off there's a peer pressure like, because there is a penalty of some yes. sort and but it's that's just what basically it reinforcing oh, basic sad. human <laughs> behavior and decency right absolutely no, exactly. And if that's what it takes, like, um, I don't know. I'm, it saddens me to be going down this train of thought because I am someone that's reinforced the behavior you like, ignore the behavior you don't like kind of a and, girl. But and how's and that this... doing for you, Jess? <laughs> how's that doing for you? Are you my therapist? Um, no, it's just uh, I do agree. Unfortunately, at times, that's what it takes is either peer pressure to, you know, maintain a solid profile and be like an A plus guest um, or yeah, money money get you where it hurts exactly and there we have another episode of foodstuffs thanks so much to darcy mcdonnell for speaking with me uh we will absolutely be sure to post more about the campaign respect the restaurant on our facebook page don't forget the hashtag (laughs) hashtag respect the restaurant uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Foodstuffs Life or on Facebook by searching Foodstuffs. And absolutely check out our brand new snazzy website, foodstuffs.life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Brian Goldman. And I'm Jessica Walker. See you next week. <laughs>